Hey, we are live. Another episode of the Gig2 Podcast with me, Chad, the Gig Economist. My guest this week is author, entrepreneur, and mentor, and frequent commenter on my videos, <laughs> John McCallion. Did I say your name right? Yep, that's correct. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I'm surprised you wrote three books. I thought you just had written the one. And I looked you up on Amazon, and you have uh, you wrote The Entrepreneur Cheat Sheet and Reality Check, A College Student Survival Guide. Are these all Kindle only, or do they, is there hard copies, too? No, no, they're all paperback. Kindle okay. and paperback. I got the most recent one here. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I I wrote a book, too. This is the Handbook of Porters and Stouts that I co-wrote almost 10 years ago. Very cool. Although, like, this was a compilation of beer reviews I had already written, and I wrote... I wrote a handful of new material for the book, but uh, like the publisher came to me and they said, we, we saw you wrote all these beer reviews. We want to put them together into a beer book. And I was like, hell yeah. So it's like the Holy Bible of beer reviews. <laughs> yeah. But this is just uh porters and stouts. And I would love, I kept bugging the publisher. I'm like, let's do a handbook of IPAs or let's do a mm-hmm. handbook of Belgian beers or something. But um, anyway, so are you an author that does gig work or a gig work that does writing? <laughs> Great question. The writing came first. So I guess author first and gig worker second. Uh, I've been doing gig work for almost three years now. I started 2018 back when DoorDash was stealing tips. Um, <laughs> I, I got into it because I wanted to pay off my student loans and some other debt uh, that finished up. So now um, I just do it. I mean, I still do it part time. Uh, you know, invest in stock market, buy a little crypto, and you know, just to fund some side goals. Yep. And you're in uh, you're in LA. Yeah, I'm in a suburb of LA, West San Fernando Valley. Is that where you grew up? Uh, kind of. My the first half of my life, I grew up in Pasadena. Funny story: Tanner Markley and I. Oops. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. No, it's okay. <laughs> you said something about Tanner Markley. Yeah, that's all you got. <laughs> uh, Tanner and I would pretty much have the same hometown. Um, I grew up in Pasadena. He's from Arcadia, Temple City area, which are pretty much neighboring cities. So, so yeah, we're, we're from the same area, which is really cool. Um, now I'm in the West San Fernando Valley near Cal State Northridge. That's pretty much where I dash. Um, it's a great market. I love it. Uh-huh. What's up, Hannibal? Yep, Hannibal's here. Weren't you just on his show last night? I was with uh, Pedro and Gig Life. It was a great live stream. What did you guys talk about? Well, we were supposed to talk about mental health. We kind of did, and we kind of didn't. There was a, The good thing was that we had a lot of laughter. So, uh-huh. uh, I mean, it wasn't too heavy. I think we touched on the importance that we were we wanted to. And then we also had, you know, a lot of uh, humor and jokes on the side. So, overall, I think it was a great, good stream. I actually haven't watched it yet. I was going to wait. Um, actually, I'll probably watch it after we're done here. Gig Lebowski is here. Hey, hey. What's up, Gig? Um, yeah, so how did you get into um, writing the books? What, are they self-published or, or is that through like a traditional publisher? Yeah, so um, they're all they're all self-published. Um, I've actually talked to uh, a lot of literary agents, which pretty much represent you when it comes to um, you know writing a book and you know getting it out there. And uh, I've learned that 
publishing houses, they don't really market your name unless you're like your really big name, like, you know, like you're the author of Harry Potter or something like that. So even if you're uh, published through a publisher, you still have to do most of the marketing. And, um, uh, and then they, they take a pretty big chunk of your cut. So it's like, that doesn't really make sense. Might as well, you know, uh, just go self-publish. Um, and, and the cool thing is now there's just so many ways you can be self-published authors. It's super easy. Uh, on-demand printing is the biggest one because before, back in the day, I think in the 80s and 90s, you had to buy a minimum number of copies. Like I think it was like 5,000 or 10,000, depending on the, um, the printing house. Uh, but now you could just upload upload your book to Amazon or um, there's another company called Ingram. Uh, they have a, a subsidiary called Ingram Spark, which is pretty much for self-publishers. Ingram is the largest print, uh, book printer in the world. So you can actually upload your book there and it'll distribute it for you. So uh, they have contract with like college um, college bookstores on campuses, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. They'll distribute it everywhere. So, so yeah, I would say Amazon and Ingram are probably the, the big players in the space right now. Yeah, I've actually thought about um... – writing like taking the scripts for like my instacart tutorials and writing like the actually i thought i'd call it the instacart shoppers handbook and i'd be like wow mm -hmm. i have two books with the word handbook in the name by the way i still have like 10 copies of these sitting on the bookshelf of my room if anybody uh wants to buy some i'll sign them uh to you i have them on my website the gig economy store link in the description below <laughs> i'll buy one i'd love to check it out yeah Gig IQ is here. What's up, guys? I feel like I'm broken record. But I thought I tuned in for a few minutes. <laughs> and that guy's always falling asleep early. Yeah. I thought, I thought, you sound like you're like 80 years old. Like <laughs> my my dad doesn't go to bed that early. It's because uh, he's a he's a he's a uh, I think he's a scientist and he also does gig work yeah. part time, so he works a lot. Me, I'm drinking a uh, blue Blue Moon. Um, I haven't had that in years, man. Perfect summer beer. Well, it's a that's a Belgian style, but it's an Americanized version, so it's like quite mild. This is uh, I've had this beer, and I drank this on camera before. It's called Pantera Golden Ale, it's the heavy metal band. I gotta check um, it out. It's a they're out of this brewery's Texas Ale Project out of Dallas. I mean, it's just a regular Golden Ale. It looks like a lager. It looks similar to Blue Moon. Blue Moon Shock Top. Yeah, well, I mean, in color, yeah. Yeah. So, Charles Deary. What's up, John? Oh, that's the homie right there. What's up, Charles? He said, I'm an 80-year-old and a 32-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know where you want to start. We just need to start at the beginning. So, like, where did you grow up? Like, where did you go to, like, college and major and all that stuff? Whoops, yeah. meant to do that for you. There you go. No worries. Uh, yeah, so uh, like I said, I was born and raised in, in L.A., born in Hollywood, I guess if that matters. Um, raised in uh, pretty much all over through L.A. We've moved a lot. Um, I would say mainly uh, Pasadena. We grew, uh, grew up there. And then for college, went to Pasadena High School, went to a few community colleges, went to Pasadena City College, L.A. Valley College, um, Pierce College, and I think Mission College. Um, they're all kind of the, part of the same district. Um, and after that, I transferred to San Diego State. Had a lot of fun there. Um, the problem with, with San Diego State was that even though they're, they're in the Cal State system, they didn't accept a lot of the credits I had from, from my community college, which was weird because um, a lot of the other Cal States did. So uh, so I so I tried 
I was there for a year. I tried getting them accepted. They accepted some of them, didn't accept the other ones. Anyway, long story short, it didn't work out. Moved back, uh, went to Cal State LA, finished up, and graduated from there. And I graduated in uh, in business admin with, I think it's a focus in, in marketing. Have you, what like day job or career, like, did that prepare you for? Uh, I guess it depends on what you want to go into. Um, I think that one was, was a lot of like marketing research, but I have a sales background. So most of it is just, it's just kind of like consumer behavior and their psychology. So if you're in sales, if you're in marketing, you know, it's pretty much, um, it's a blanket major. So it applies to all of them. I had a background in sales, so it fit perfectly. You know, it's funny. I actually wanted to, after I got out of the Navy and I had my GI Bill and I wanted to go back to college, I wanted to, to major in business. Because I, I wanted to like start my own business. So I was like, let me major in business so I know how to do it. But the school that I applied to, it was like, it's so competitive. Like, you can't even get into the business program. So, by the way, uh, Gary Middleton sent a $15 super chat, said, send him a book. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, after we're done here, uh, shoot or email me your address and uh, I'll mail you this book. So, sounds good. On Gary. Yeah. Um, so what, what like day jobs have you had? Cause like, I know, like you say you do gig work is gig work, your full-time income now, or just a side hustle? Yeah. For me, it's just always been a side hustle. Um, the way I got into it was that, um, I've always worked nine to five or for the most part, I worked nine to five and it was really hard for me to get a second job, especially a few years ago. Um, I noticed that whoever wanted me to work the night shift, uh, like around, like starting at six, they wanted me to work until midnight or 1am. It's like, I can't work that late. I have to wake up, you know, at 7am the next day to go to work for, to my other job, to my full-time job. And so um, I applied to Starbucks, uh, basically like a bunch of restaurants. I got a couple of interviews, which surprised me because I had no food, food handling experience, but they were willing to train. But yeah, it's the schedule wise didn't work out. And then that's when I heard about DoorDash. Funny story, actually started doing gig work with through Uber Eats. And that was when, um, you didn't know where you were going until you picked up the order. Like they wouldn't even tell you, you know, the streets or anything. I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know if you remember those days. So I did that for a couple months and then, um, you know, a few times it sent me pretty far. I think it sent me like 15, 20 miles away from the restaurant. And then a couple of times it sent me to some really shady areas. So I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I started doing DoorDash and, uh, you know, it's, it's been history ever since. Yeah. I remember those early days of Uber Eats cause I used like three years ago, I used to do rideshare full time, and then when Uber Eats came out, like it just was on my app. I just remember one day just getting a like it said delivery, and I was just like, mm-hmm. at first, it like I was confused. I was like delivery because like it was for I think it was like a Chinese restaurant or Italian or something, but and then I was like, oh yeah, this is that food delivery thing they were talking about. So I did it. And, uh, and like, yeah, it was just like any other Uber ride. All it tells you is like where you're going, like to, mm-hmm. for the pickup, not for the drop off. And I don't remember if I got tipped or not, but yeah. And then I was, I remember like, I think I have a screenshot somewhere in my computer of when Uber finally started copying DoorDash where they would show you the map. Cause I'm like, there's no reason for me to do Uber Eats when I, and this is back. Sorry, trying not to burp into the microphone here. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, like DoorDash, as far as like 
ever since I used it, it was always, you know, map screen and full payout mileage, <laughs> all that stuff. I was like, wow, this is so convenient. Although it's revolutionary. Yeah. It's a <laughs> does the same thing. Um, like I was like, I'm never doing Uber eats again because like, it's a total gamble. Like, I don't know where I'm going what the miles are. I don't know if the customer tipped or not. And then eventually Uber started copying DoorDash, which that's, I mean, that's one of the cases where, being hacky like that like pays off you know it's like this is what people want yeah they want the map so i'm hoping that freaking bite squad will copy that too actually actually i was talking to gary about that a couple weeks ago he said that they are going to finally introduce a map screen like bite squad slash waiter uh is like the they have like well, I think like less than 5% of the market share i think it's like doordash has like over 50% and then uber has like 30 or 40 percent and then grubhub is like 10 or 20 percent and then whatever's left over is is waiter and slash uh bite squad i I don't have you ever tried that app no i don't even know if we have it in la um if we do then i haven't tried it um funny thing is that um uber uh, when i first started and you know from the days you're talking about they wouldn't tell you the restaurant before you accepted it they would just they would just show you like how far the restaurant was kind of like picking up a passenger. So when you, when you, when they sent you an offer, you would, it would just say like 10 minutes away. You would accept, then you would know what the restaurant is. And then once you picked up, then you would know where you were going. And uh, like, let's say you could drive 15 miles and it would probably be like a $5, $6 payout because, you know, back then most Uber customers didn't tip now. I mean, now it's just so much better because you can see the expected tip, which is basically just means that, you know, that's the tip, assuming that the customer doesn't tip bait you. So, uh, but even now, like uh, I actually just started using Uber Eats again after you know after a hiatus, and even now, like they'll they have the route that they want you to take over the street name. So I still feel like they still have this obsession of of giving the driver a hard time of like where you're going. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So, are what part of? I mean, I've never been to LA. The only thing I know of it is like from movies and TV shows and stuff. Right. But, like I know LA County is like huge it's like really spread out like and it's just like i mean it's a huge ur- ur- suburban sprawl too you know just lots of of suburbs and you know real high-end neighborhoods real low-end mm-hmm. neighborhoods lots of dangerous uh it's funny it's like they have it's like you have like compton and like beverly hills like within what 20 miles of each other or something you know yeah 15 20 miles yeah and uh so have you ever you're delivered like the Playboy Mansion, or <laughs> <laughs> I have I haven't delivered out there just because parking is just uh, really difficult. Um, parking parking is really difficult. Um, traffic there's a ton of traffic where I'm at where I dash in. Um, it, there's a little bit of traffic during peak hours, but um, you know once like seven seven thirty hits, it's pretty much no traffic. So I get to the cut, you know, I get to the restaurants, customers pretty fast. So um, I, honestly, I don't know if it would be worth it if I were to do like Beverly Hills, downtown LA, West Hollywood. Um, I mean, just the amount of time it would take for you to get, you know, from point A to point B, sitting in traffic and, you know, risking parking tickets all for a $7, $8 payout. To me, it wouldn't be worth it. So the market that I'm in right now, I'm in a suburb and, you know, it's been awesome. You know, it's just a mix of college students, upper middle class. And then, you know, down south, you have a little bit of, you know, your your blue collar, um, blue collar, low income neighborhoods. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good mixture. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had any... Uh dangerous encounters uh I, I had one that i still remember that um i i 
I thought I was going to get shot or mugged. Um, this was a while back before I, before I knew really knew the area. It was probably an Uber Eats order. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they didn't tell you where you're going. Uh, yeah, I had delivered to a subway and uh, basically it's a gated community of like basically projects. And um, it was super dark. I think it was like 9 or 10 p.m. Like I had no business being there. And, you know, as a delivery driver, when you're looking around, you look lost, you look out of touch and, you know, and that's the last thing that you want to be doing whenever you're in a bad area. And so I was looking and, you know, these apartments, these buildings were run down. There's no building numbers on the, um, uh, or yeah, there's no, there's no like unit numbers on the doors. Um, and I, I eventually found it, but, um, that's because I counted one, two, three, four. And uh, of course the customer, it was a handed to me order before the pandemic. So, you know, you had to hand it to the customer and then of course the customer's not opening the door or they're not responding to their calls. So I go back to my car and I see, you know, I see these, these gang members just, you know, just staring at me. And so, uh, I, I did, I did my five minute timer. The customer did it. Um, you know, they never called back. So I got, I got out of there fast, as fast as I could. Yeah. Uh, gig guy who said you always have to walk with confidence in the rougher areas. Yeah, that is true. Like even like where the magic play and like the Orlando, Orlando city soccer is like in a, it's not a terrible part of town. I mean, it's probably like one of the worst parts of Orlando, but I mean, it's Mm. not nearly as bad as like certain parts of like New York or LA or Chicago or something like that. But it's like, every time I go there, like with somebody, I'm always like, like you got to walk fast. Like you can't dawdle, you know, (laughs) we're walking through a rough neighborhood, you know? Like you don't don't look like such a mark. <laughs> well, the thing is that like you're you're looking at house numbers to see which one it is, and mm-hmm. I think that's just inev- inevitable. Mm-hmm. So, what um, what what led you into gig work originally? It was just to to pay off my student loans. Um, I, I really wanted to get out of debt. I had about thirty thousand dollars in student loans. Um. I didn't want to pay it off, you know, like, you know, in third years or four years, whatever the expected payout was. So, um, so yeah, after work, after my nine to five job, I went, I went and did DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats. And then on the weekends, um, I had a retail job, a uh, retail where I, where I sold basic computers. And, um, after that, right after that, I would go out and do gig work again. So it was pretty much just, I, so it was, it was over a, a three year span. But in 2019, I really buckled down. I worked seven days a week for about a year. I think the only day off that I took was my birthday. I was super burned out, but in the end, it paid off. And and uh, I'm really thankful for gig work, you know, to this day because it gave me an opportunity to pay off my student loans. Can't hear you. Oops, spec- you're <laughs> muted. <laughs> Talking on mute, you know. Um, I was gonna say I saw like I think on your Instagram you have a link to a YouTube video, like an interview you did with somebody, and you're talking about how you paid off your student loans like three years or something like that. Yeah, that's basically the story you just told now. Oh well, the, yeah, the, the student loans are part of it. Um, I also paid off uh, a lot of dental debt because I had braces. Um, what else? Credit cards, auto loan, everything. It's just, hmm. it, it was about hundred thousand dollars in three years and gig work helped me a lot. Wow. So, wow. That's, I mean, that's just nuts though. It's like you, you work, you're working probably six, seven days a week. How many hours? Yeah. Probably like 12 hour days, seven days a week. It was insane. Wow. Did you have a wife or kids then? Nope. No family or well, no, I mean, no wife or no kids. So that, that was helpful. I didn't have anyone to come home to. <laughs> 
Oh, you're like in a in a one bedroom studio apartment or something like that, or? No, luckily, um, I was able to move in with the, with my parents for that time being. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they saved a little bit of um, money on rent, and um, you know they're getting older, so I got a chance to, uh, you know, just to just to. It's funny because like when I was in college, I didn't really spend a lot of time with them. I was actually living away when I was in college, so I, I didn't really see them or talk to them. So um, when I was when I was you know when I was in this get out of debt journey, I got to spend a lot of time with them. So you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, happy about that. Charles says John is a good money hustler in the most positive light possible. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate uh-huh. that. <laughs> and Sarah Elizabeth is here too. Hi. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> um, so what, what platforms have you worked for? Uh, DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. I signed up for Instacart, but never did it. Um, I may do it. I may not. I'm not. I'm not really big into. You know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not really big into shopping. So I don't know if I'll do it. But you know, it's good to have. That's what in all back the pocket. <laughs> I just don't have the patience for it, to be honest. I think Instacart is well. The well, I don't know what the pay is like. I'm. I think the payout where you are is probably really high compared to here in Orlando. But, um, yeah, like, it, and I've said this so many times. Every time I do an interview or a podcast, or whatever, I'm always like, if I could just do one app and like if pay was the same across all apps, like I would definitely do Instacart because you're out of the car, you're walking around. It's like a scavenger hunt, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to find all the items. There's, there's way, way more customer service involved than just Uber eats or DoorDash or something like that. Here's your food. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're actually talking with the customer. Like um, it depends on how picky they are too. Cause like, you know, like it's very rare that you're going to find everything that they want without issue. Like mm-hmm. maybe they want, you know, this like in a bigger can or um, whenever something's like on on sale or BOGO, a lot of times it's sold out, you know, and I'm like, well, they don't have the, that flavor or that item that you want. What do you want instead? And that always drives me crazy. So and sometimes they don't reply. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, a spoiler, one of the the stories we're going to talk about on the Sunday show is uh, it was written by a guy who I guess he's an author or not an author, like a writer for Business Insider. Mm-hmm. And I guess he does Instacart on the side. And it was he's like, here's eight things your Instacart shoppers wish Instacart customers would stop doing or something like that. So uh, Hannibal and I will talk about that on Sunday. So. Come back for that. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I saw like on your YouTube, like you on the cross, the top, it says author, entrepreneur, mentor. Like how does, uh, like h- how would you, like, h- how do you say that you're a mentor? Like who are you mentoring and, you know, about what? <laughs> yeah, really good question. Um, just a lot of college students usually come up to me and ask me for like college advice or how to start a business or, um, how to write a book. Like right now I'm doing what's, what I call routine coaching. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they, they have goals that they want to accomplish, but they don't really know how to go about it. So what I do is I help them break it down into, into their daily routine. So like, let's say they work nine to five and then what can you do after work or before work to, you know, to, to get to your goals, you know, day by day. So um, I, I, I guess it's, uh, you know, being a mentor in that sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have your book there, the Five Foundations of Contentment. 
Yep. I'm not, I'm not crazy about that picture of you on the cover. You have like really short. <laughs> you have like really short hair. Yeah, that's an older <laughs> picture back when I was in college. <laughs> and like the full picture is you sitting on a bench or something. Yeah, pretty much. That was at San Diego State. Nice little scenery. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, there's. I put a link in the description to John's Amazon listing. Thank um, you. So check that out. Um, yeah. So well. Uh, yeah. So tell us about the book. Yeah. So um, basically, after I graduated college, um, I you know I got that job that you're supposed to get out of college. Fortune 500 company, excellent benefits, all that good stuff. And um, I just realized that, you know, after after working there for a few months, it's not really what I wanted. Um, and, you know, I, I you know I, I was 27 years old at the time and I asked myself, is this something I want to be doing for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. So basically I ended up leaving. Um, I, I, didn't ha- I didn't really have a sex- sense of direction in my life. So I felt lost. And um, basically what happened was, I did some a lot of soul searching and I realized that there's there's five aspects to life, which I call the the five foundations of contentment in the book. So your physical health, your mental, your relational, so like family, friends, coworkers, um, spiritual, and your financial. And all five, five of these have to be satisfied in order for you to have like you know, in order for you to be really content. Um, a lot of people I think they confuse contentment and happiness. Happiness to me is an emotion, just like sadness, anger. You know, all that good stuff, but contentment, you're pretty much grateful for what you have. And when you're in, when you're in that mindset, it just, it just helps you be more appreciative of what you have. And, um, for me, what I did was, uh, minimalism actually played a big, really big part in this. Um, I, I minimal, so I, I, I got rid of, I sold and got rid of whatever I didn't need and only kept, you know, stuff that I really needed. And, the, um, all, you know, all the, all my attention, all my focus went on to things that I want to do rather than things I didn't want to do. So, um, that, that's pretty much what I wrote about in the book. You're on mute. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting. I'm looking right at it too. Cause like I have two, you'll get the hang of it. I like, I have this button like right on the, the headphone cord here. And usually that's what I do, but I can also hit mute on the, uh, stream yard. So, but anyway, so. Uh, what I was saying is, have you gotten any like feed, uh, pushback or criticism from people or like, you know, like you're not a psychologist or something like that? Like why, why are you writing a self-help book? Yeah. The funny thing is that I actually, um, well in, in each individual chapter, I wrote that like in the, in the second chapter or not second chapter, but in the mental health chapter, I wrote that I'm not a mental health professional. So basically I put disclaimers for all the, um, the chapters that, you know, that require advice from, from professionals. So like, uh, the physical health chapter, I said, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician, the, uh, the financial chapter, I wrote that I'm not a, you know, licensed financial expert or anything like that. So, um, basically it, the reader, you know, even in, even in the beginning of the book, I mentioned that you know this is just my experience. This, these are my observations. This is how I turn my life around after college, and you know, hopefully, it can help you too. So that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. All right, now I had to mute my phone because the Orlando City soccer game is on, and I have my ESPN app set to every time there's a score, and they're actually down right now, two to one. Do you like Are they uh, MLS team? 
Yeah, Orlando. Yeah, I mean, the Magic and the uh, Orlando City uh, SC is like our two big pro sports here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. There's also a minor league hockey team. Are you into sports at all? Yeah, I'm a huge basketball and um, uh, football fan. Uh, when it comes to basketball, LA Lakers, you know, ever since I've been a kid, um, you know, I pretty much grew up in the Shaq and Kobe days. Um, but uh, I, I watch all basketball, any, any, whether it's NBA, college, whatever, I'll watch it. Um, I love basketball to football. Same thing, college. I don't really follow college that much just because there's so many schools. But I watched it. I try to watch as much NFL as I can. Um, I'm a Cowboys fan, you know, not, not, um, <laughs> no shame there. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up watching the Cowboys during Troy Aikman days, the Emmitt Smith days and Michael Irvin. So, you know, they were really good back then, but now, uh, we, we definitely have a lot of work to do. Man, being a, a Cowboys fan now, I guess, well, I mean, the Cowboys a lot are of kind here. of like, yeah, it's, they're kind of like how the Yankees are in baseball because like mm-hmm. you can go like any city, any state. Like I went overseas when I was in the Navy and I would see people selling Yankee hats like in Spain and Greece and uh, Denmark and uh, Puerto Rico and Colombia and like some South American countries we went to. But um, yeah, it's like, I was going to say, it's like, it seems like if you live in LA, it's like you're pretty much it's, it's hard not to be a sports fan. Like I was talking, like yeah. Harry Campbell is in, I think he's in Long Beach actually, but um, yeah, he was saying that, you know, he's born and raised LA. I mean, it's just, I mean, you have the Lakers there. Uh, that's the definitely. Clippers. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the <laughs> Lakers are the championship team of LA. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers have, you know, they have a couple titles, but you don't really think of them as like a, you know, trophy producing machine the way the Lakers are, you know. Um and certainly not the Kings. I don't think they've ever won a Stanley Cup. I don't know if they've even been to a Stanley Cup. They have Cup. a few. The the Kings? Yeah. I, they must have been later. Yeah, I think it was like uh, in two thousands. Yeah, I remember uh Gretzky was on there briefly. Yeah, Charles would know. Charles in chat he would know one day when he's a big <laughs> Kings fan. Yeah, let us know. We got a we got a Wikipedia Looker upper right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's like your? Give me like a typical like work day and like work week in your life, like right now. Yeah. So uh, Monday through Friday, I work my sales job nine to five, and then after that, uh, well, it's actually eight. It's eight to five because uh, we have a one hour lunch, and then after that, uh, I pretty much grab something to eat and rush out and you know my the market that i dash is 15 miles away from where i live so um you know with traffic it takes about half an hour to get there uh so by the time i get there's probably six 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 fifteen and then dinner dies down around like eight thirty nine, and then you know do you have the, the late night rush so i dash about four hours now at night um but i do it seven days a week um so on i also dash on uh saturdays sundays um probably about five or six hours. So what is that? About 30, 30 to 40 hours a week um, of dashing. Um, I mean, the thing is that if you live in LA, you need it. You need a side hustle. I mean, the rent is just crazy here. Like if you're going to rent a one bedroom apartment, you're looking at at least at $1,500 and like, even like in a not so great neighborhood. So you need a side hustle. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I left New York is, I mean, I'm not even from the city. I'm from upstate from Albany 
and the cost of living up there compared to here is is you know it's it's pretty it's pretty big. You ever think about moving, or you just ride or die L.A.? <laughs> I have thought about it. Um, I've thought about you know moving to Arizona, Vegas, just because you know they're 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 nice cities. I, I like the heat, so um, I don't mind listening to you know moving to a move uh, city that's that's gig that gets hot. Um, but right now, I still have family here, um, so maybe maybe later on. Um, but San Diego is really nice too. It's super expensive there too. But uh, for now, LA, I, I, I'm thinking about moving in the future though, somewhere a little bit cheaper. Oh yeah, Charles, there you go. Uh, LA Kings 2012 and 2014. I'm surprised I forgot that because I'm a I'm like I like hockey more than most people. Mm-hmm. But I don't really follow. I mean, I don't really follow sports in general that closely anymore. Ever since I moved to Florida, I just kind of gave up on it. Like I will go to the occasional Magic game or Orlando City game, but like I couldn't even tell you the starting lineup for either team. You know, right? You guys <laughs> so, got Gary Harris now, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a pretty decent player. Traded from Denver. The only Orlando Magic player I know is Shaq and Penny. That's and I don't think they're playing anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. Dwight Howard and Jimmy Nelson were good too back in the day. Yeah, this I took this picture. Well, you can't really see it, but I took that um, last year, like before COVID. My nephew flew down here. We went to a Magic game, kind of nosebleed seats, but get a pretty good uh, a photo opportunity there. I do like going to the uh, the soccer games though, because it's fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's outside fun atmosphere. Yeah. The fans are really into it. Um, the only problem, I mean, like I said, it's outside and it tends to rain like at night every between like six and 10, which is when they have the game and like, it'll be sprinkling the, the entire game. They, they won't play if it's thunder and lightning, mm-hmm. but if it's just sprinkling, they'll play. And it's just it's like so hot and humid. It's like, you know, 80 something degrees and like a hundred percent humidity. So, mm-hmm. We don't even uh, get right here. We don't know what rain is. <laughs> I know. It's practically so people, dry. A lot of people don't know is that LA is actually sitting on a huge oil field too. Like there's there's whole buildings there that are like fake buildings. Like they're just oil uh, pumps or derricks or whatever they're called underneath these these buildings. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard about it. Maybe that's why you get so many earthquakes. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah. What? What's What's uh been What's gig work been like? You know, in the last year and a half, because like I know California, especially LA, is like really crazy with a lot of the COVID restrictions, with mass mandates and lockdowns and all that stuff. So, can you give us like uh, an overview of what the last year and a half has been like, as far as all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you may already know, we have Prop 22 here now. Um, and basically the way that works is that it goes based on your active time. I can't remember the exact guaranteed minimum wage, uh, but basically if you have an hour of active time, you get paid like 17 bucks an hour. Um, one thing I've noticed is that on the DoorDash app and the Grubhub app, they do um, the active time. It's, it feels a little low, and that's my guess. My guess is that the, you know it's, it's their way of trying to pay you less for your active time. Um, but when the pandemic hit, um, I mean, it was crazy. We, we, we went on full lockdown, uh, basically everywhere was closed except for like restaurants, grocery stores, 
Um, even like dentists were closed. You couldn't get it clean or because back then I had braces and I, I couldn't get them adjusted or a wire place for anything. So um, in terms of gig work, uh, there were no dining customers until um, later in the pandemic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, w- you know, gig workers were making money hand over fist during that time because, um, you know, everyone had no choice but to order. And um, I think that that brought on a lot of drivers and which is a part of the problem now. So you still have, you know, most of the those pandemic uh, drivers that, you know, DoorDash, Grubhub and Uber Eats brought on. But now there's less orders going around. So uh, the markets have definitely become oversaturated. Um, I, you know, I still see a lot of people complaining about, you know, saying, hey, we need to become employees. I disagree. Um, I think Prop 22 is, you know, is a blessing because um, you're still, you know, you're still an independent contractor. You can still take whatever um, orders you don't want or you want. Um, and, you still, and you still get, you know, that that hourly guarantee, you know, for better, or for worse. Um, the thing is, I think a lot of people who complain take they take the really crappy orders. I think they don't know any better. So they take like the four dollar orders and maybe like ten dollars for like eight miles. I don't know. So um, so that that's kind of that's kind of what it is like in L.A. Just, you know, people wanting to become employees. So how does that work? Like if you're you have a 17 dollar guarantee, but like then you're kind of incentivized to take the two three four dollar orders because if you don't hit 17 you're still going to get your 17 anyway right yeah so you have to be on a delivery so active time i I, i've never taken those orders i just i just can't do it i don't want to you know work for that little but um yeah i imagine that's how it is if you don't take three three all orders in an hour then yeah you'd probably get that difference Jacqueline Taylor said, after our fire, everything was closed, or now they close early. What's a, where are you located, Jacqueline? Let us know. Uh, I don't know if you saw my, my uh, interview with Steve, and when he was on the show a couple weeks ago, uh, on the news, that is. Um, you know, he was saying that with, you know, if they they do an AB5 or something similar to that where – you know, you you have a guaranteed minimum wage or whatever it is. He's like, whatever your minimum is, it's also going to be your maximum because they have no incentive to pay you more than what they're required to by law. Um, have you found that's true? Because like, you know, like with Prop 22, which is essentially setting a minimum wage, like, are you routinely making more than that? Or... Is it? Are you pretty much just hitting the seventeen all the time? Uh, for me, I'm I'm really picky when it comes to deliveries in terms of location, um, especially because I when, I that's during dinner, so so there's a lot of traffic. I don't really go. Um, my active time is probably lower to lower compared to um, the average driver, just because I you know I don't take a lot of orders. Uh, but um, but yeah, the more the more I've noticed that the more orders I take and the more active delivery time I have. Um, I'll, I'll get, I'll get like a bigger, they call it a pay adjustment at the end of the week. So like if I make 500 bucks, then usually it comes out to like 50, 60 bucks extra on top of that, which, which covers my gas. So, so it's good. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be in a position where I have to take orders, all, all orders and, you know, go to neighborhoods or areas that I don't want to go to. So I definitely wouldn't want to be an employee. Yeah. And also they could probably set your schedule for you as well. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine- so you lose flexibility. Yeah, I remember when I first started Instacart, Instacart had scheduled hours and then they went to just on demand, which has its pros and cons. I wish DoorDash 
would get rid of uh, scheduled hours. I mean, like usually I can just turn on the app and it'll let me go online, but not always. I mean, it's been pretty slow lately. I remember Hannibal was showing a screenshot like his, he's in New York city in Brooklyn and he, it's, you think it's like always popping there. And he was showing like on a Friday night, like it was all gray out. I was like, How's too many possible? drivers. Yeah. We got a couple of new comments. Be the third. I like John. He is diversified. Appreciate and that. Sneed mobile tech is what up Sneed. That's the homie right there. A waving emoji. <laughs> I think it's a clap. Uh-huh. No, the clap is like two hands together. Mm. The, the hand like this is the prank. Like, <laughs> it's funny because like it's going like this, which is that's not waving. Like I think know. it looks like it looks like two hands going like this. Yeah, because it has the the um, the little blue lines at at the side. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my guess. <laughs> I know. Um, do you follow uh, Crazy Rodzilla? I know he's in LA. Yeah, he's in Long Beach. Um, it's funny because like uh, we always talk because we. Uh, we go to we have like a lot of the same chain restaurants in our area like uh, CPK, Red Robin, Red Lobster. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's over there like like kind of like near Santa Monica, Garden Grove area. Um, I'm more north towards um, I guess towards like um, like I'm like 15 minutes away from Simi Valley, so so I guess I, I'm fr- I'm further away from downtown LA from the beach. But yeah, he he do, he does a pretty good job. He does all three apps. Uh, we talk here and there for sure. What about um, Gary? He's well. He used to be called Instacart Dude. Now he calls himself Gig Tetris Dude. You ever follow him? No, I don't think I've I've come across the channel. Yeah, I mean, he does like almost all Instacart and Corner Shop content. So yeah, I guess if you don't do Instacart, you probably wouldn't have seen him. You know yeah, it's weird how like the YouTube software, the algorithm recommends stuff. It all comes down yeah. on what you watch. Yeah, and it's funny because like you would think like a big, especially Hollywood type city like L.A., like there'd be like thousands, like thousands of gig tubers out of there, and there's only a few. And like even like in New York City, like I don't, I can't even think of any other gig tuber in New York, like at the actual city aside from Hannibal. I mean, I know Dimples on Demand was there, and I think she moved. So if there are any other gig tubers in New York City, let me know. Yeah, you would think that there's more gig tubers in these large markets, but I think everyone just so gets so caught up in, you know, thinking about what what orders they're gonna take and how to weave through traffic. Um, but but I'll tell you this, I think one of the parts is that um when it comes to, you know, especially people who do a part-time, um, you can't afford commercial insurance. So I think a lot of people want just want to keep it on down low, especially because their insurance probably won't cover them in case of an accident if they you know if they they find out that um, that they're gonna do DoorDash or whatever. So I think a lot of people just keep on a download. Yeah, I got this uh, site called uh, like Funny Interview Questions Asked. So uh, here we go. I'll show you some, <laughs> show you some of these. All right, cool. Some of these are these. Some of these are just bizarre. Like they're not even particularly funny. What would you do if you found a penguin in the freezer? Uh, leave him in there because that's that seems like yeah, that's where he belongs. Would you rather always say everything on your mind or never speak again? No, I got to say what's on my mind. Yeah. What is your most unusual talent? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that talented. Um, I mean, you wrote three books, so you must be a pretty good writer. Right? Would, that, would that be unusual? Oh, uh, yeah, unusual. 
And this yeah, I don't age, know. Yeah, Never like, thought about it anymore. Like, use your hands. That's a baby's toy. <laughs> Wait, you're saying I have to write instead of type? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, short, shout out DoorDash Dad. You got to get regular beer, dude. Don't don't drink that Middle Light 64 crap. Uh, no yeah. diet beer. Get 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 regular beer. He's my well, guy. I love DoorDash Dad. <laughs> yeah, I had him on the show a few weeks ago, but we had to start at like 11 at night because I had to wait for him to get home from work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. By the way, did you see one? Did you want to see my DoorDash stats? I know that's something that you do customary. Your DoorDash what? The stats, like the acceptance rating, completion oh, rating, yeah, all that. Yeah, mine's pretty low. <sighs> yeah. Let's see. Let me bring mine up. I mean, I can't remember that. Like, I was doing Lyft for two weeks, and then. I actually turned the notifications off. For hopefully you can see them. Four point nine eight. That's really good. Four percent acceptance rate. Eighty-one <laughs> percent completion rate, though. That's pretty yeah. low. You got to get that up to like to at least over ninety. Yep. Eighty-eight percent on time or early. Two thousand twenty-eight lifetime deliveries. Yeah. Oh, you don't have any contract violations. I have three. I actually had one that just fell off. I have like it's. This is such a lie because there's contract violations on there from like a year ago, which they're supposed to cycle out every hundred orders or whatever, and they don't. I think that's BS. Yeah. And I know so the only time they fall off is when a new one comes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, one of the things that – well, for me, I got my contract violation because I was multi-apping. Mm-hmm. So what happened was um, – I got a DoorDash order and the restaurant said that it's going to be 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'll go knock out this Grubhub delivery real quick. I went like two miles away. I came back. And after I delivered, they're like, oh, we noticed that you moved away from the restaurant. I'm like, what the hell? That's new. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's when I learned that they changed stuff. Yeah. And Uber used to do that too, because like Uber pays you for actual time and distance. So if yeah. you go like way off route, um, to like drop off a DoorDash order or whatever. Um, there, the, I did get uh, an email about that. I mean, it was like two years ago and it hasn't happened since. But I, if I'm picking like up two orders from the same restaurant at the same time for two different platforms, like I'll always do the Uber first, unless it's like way, way out of the way or something, you know? Like, I'll, like if the DoorDash is on the way to the Uber, then I'll do that. But, mm-hmm. I try not to go way off route with Uber because they're going to be, they're going to be like, Hey, you know, we're paying you for this many miles in this much time. Why, why are you going way off route? I think that's why they have Uber nav. Yeah. Ty Dillinger's. I don't understand about dash ratings. Pick up the food in my bag, deliver it and drop it off at door. Hand deliver. I still have bad ratings. What the F stop taking three to $4 orders. Get better orders, better clientele. Yeah. I found that's true. Although it's, it's also, you have to remind the customers to actually rate you because I, I I've been using and I just used DoorDash tonight to order dinner mm. and like it doesn't pop up after delivery like there's no notification to that reminds you to go back and rate your driver which Uber Eats does do right he said that he's not taking cheap orders uh, mm. let's see are they fast food orders <laughs> yeah I mean it's also Depends on the neighbor. I mean, you really don't need to worry about your customer rating unless, like, it's so low that you're about to get deactivated. Below 4.2. 
I mean, even 4.2, that is like abysmal compared to most standards. Like with Instacart, you got to be 5.0 at all times. So like, like 4.94 is probably really, really good for DoorDash. But if that was it Instacart, is. that's that's like terrible. Have you used Grubhub recently? Um, in a, not in a few weeks. DoorDash app isn't working on my phone. I've been doing Uber Eats and Grubhub. Got back from the fire. My app was deactivated. They sent me a closed restaurant. It's not there because we evacuated. Uh, that sucks. Uh, let's see. I got my, my crazy interview questions here. Uh, what if someone asks you to join at double the pay? Oh, this is like a job interview question. Oh, man. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. <laughs> yeah. What was the question? Uh, how would you sell ice cream in Antarctica? Um, well, it's cold there, so I can't use that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would probably, I would ask them what, what they eat and if they have sweet tooth. Do you consider yourself like a good salesman? Yeah, I mean, I've always been um, either number one or top three, so I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, walk us through, because like, there's tons of, like, like, if you can sell stuff, like, if you can sell anything... Um, like, and there's proven sales techniques. Like you were like work for like men's warehouse or, uh, like a clothing store or like a cell phone store or sold cars or anything like that. I've sold cars and I have worked at a cell phone store. Um, so the way it works is that honestly, the best salespeople are the one who talk the least. And, you know, it's funny because, um, people who aren't that experienced or uh, they don't know much about sales. They think that, you know, they have to, you know, give like a two hour speech or two hour monologue to the customer. And that's not the case. Um, basically it's all about asking, um, a few really good open-ended questions and then tying back their answers to the product that you're selling. So for example, um, let's say you come into a cell phone store and I say, Hey, what is it that you love about your phone? And you'll say, you know, whatever. And then, and then I might follow that, follow that question with, um, you know, tell me, tell me how you use your phone in a day. So basically then I'll use your responses to make a re- recommendation. So I'll say, Hey, I noticed that you mentioned that, you know, you really like using these types of apps, which, which this phone specifically, um, specializes in, or, you know, it can really handle. So, um, and then in sales, what they call it features and benefits. So, um, you got to tie into, you know, what, what the features of the product are and how they can benefit the, cons- the consumer and how it could help their daily life. Uh, if you were a pizza delivery man, which you probably are, sort of, a bougie pizza benefit? delivery man, <laughs> <laughs> how would you benefit from scissors? Well, I, it, we don't need scissors. We need staplers to staple the bag shut. You ever carry uh, staplers or scotch tape or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't. But that reminds me of the video of the guy um, sticking his hand to the, into the customer's oh, yeah, food, the, the Uber Eats driver, that, that <laughs> and stapling the bag up. That was classic. I thought for sure that was fake, but it, it looks like it was real, actually. When he pulled out the staple, I knew it was real. You have any? Uh, I'm sure you've probably seen my ride along videos. Like I have that that six drink carrier that sits on a passenger seat. The red one, right? Yeah. Which I I use for other stuff other than drinks. Like I actually keep my Lysol can in there and my hand sanitizer tube in there, and I have like a, a plastic bag with like extra masks and uh, payment cards and all that stuff in there. Uh, and then I have like all my hot bags in the back seat and all that stuff. So do you have like any gizmos or gadgets you use for uh, 
uh, gig work? For me, I, I, um, I've always had a hot bag and still do. Um, couple, one of those couple, um, the one like you have, I don't, mm-hmm. I've never had one of those just cause I've, I've used a couple of those in my car, but honestly, it's been a while since I took a order with a lot of drinks. I, I try to keep it to two drinks now. If it's, um, uh, if it's multiple drinks, like, um, from Chick-fil-A or something, then I just, I just don't accept it or I unassign. It just gives me like soup, anything with liquid just gives me so much anxiety about, um, you know, spilling over, um, like, I don't know if you have Red Robin in your, um, in your market, but, um, they use really cheap cup holders. Like the ones that are like super flimsy, they're, they're kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they're not, not, not like the nice ones that Wingstop and Haberberger give you, but like the ones that are like, you know, the, the, the drink could tip over any, any minute. Those give me the most anxiety. So I just drop orders that have more than two drinks, to be honest. Ty said, would you rather do gig work than sales? Yes. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. Yeah, but you can probably make more money selling stuff. But you gotta like wear a tie and a lot though. <laughs> you can. I mean, you just always have like that boss brain down your neck. Oh, did you close that sale? Oh, why don't you do this? Or oh, you could have done that better. Um, you know, when I was doing my twenties, I enjoyed. But now that I'm in my early thirties, I don't really enjoy it as much, to be honest. Are you worried about automation? Because I think, like, it's for sure. Like, probably within. 20 years like i mean we're gonna have self-driving cars and like so many of the restaurants stuff is gonna be robots you know like i mean amazon warehouses are they have robots all over the place they're already halfway there <laughs> yeah so and, and like hannibal and i on our new show the last few months we've talked about like instacart was thinking about going to distribution centers kind of like the way Gopuff is and like like robots will pick We'll we'll pick all the the products and bag them up and everything. And there was actually an article. I think if you Google this, it said like, "How will a robot uh, pick a right tomato or something?" You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's definitely something I think about. I mean, I don't probably worry imaging too software, much. right? Well, I was gonna say I don't worry about the automation. Is it seems like it's still like a generation or two away? And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I. I, I had my IT background to fall back on if I had to, but um, I don't know. Like, is this something that keeps you up at night? <laughs> I mean, it used to, but now that, um, you know, we're going through this whole, the great resignation stuff and, and seeing a lot of service jobs or food industry jobs not being fulfilled, or even like Amazon is having trouble finding, um, uh, you know, as many warehouse workers as they need. Cause I think they just raised them the peta from $17 an hour to $18 an hour. Um, I think um, I was worried about earlier, like, you know, how are people going to make a living? But now it's just, you know, it's obvious that, you know, the ones that are automation is going to take over there. There are jobs that people don't want anyway. So um, it doesn't bother me, me as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I follow a lot of um, like actual economists. Well, maybe not a lot, but a few, and the ones that I follow, they they all say like you know automation is like a good thing because every time technology, you know, can take away labor, it mm-hmm. makes our lives better. And like everybody always says, well, it's going to be different this time, and it never is. You know, like we. Right. Although I mean, the algorithms on Facebook and social media and YouTube though have like seen a, driven people crazy in the last twenty years or so. 
They said the like, same thing about the telephone and the internet before it came out. Oh, it's gonna it's the end of the world and all that stuff, and yeah. you know it's improved our lives. He said, uh, "I don't see how that stupid driving robot really work. How can it knock at people's door to deliver their food?" Yeah, and like, what if it has to go upstairs? Because actually, we and the, I know Grubhub has like some kind of delivery robot on like some college campuses. Now that is something I can get behind because college campuses yeah. are a nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hate it. What do you think about when you're alone in the car? What my next order is going to be. <laughs> if you saw someone steal a quarter, would you report it? If it was at work, yeah. If if it's outside of work, then no. How would you sell me eggnog in Florida in the summer? I wouldn't. <laughs> it'll be lobby. It'll be easier during Hall- Halloween time. You know, that's funny. When I worked at uh, Publix at the headquarters in Lakeland, one of the guys I worked with, like, it was in the summer, and he's like, I really got a hankering for eggnog. And, I mean, you can just Google the recipe. Is that a Florida thing? I guess. Like, especially native Floridians who've never really experienced winter. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Christmas around here always cracks me up because people, you know, decorate their houses and they got the snowmen on the, like, the inflatable ones on their front lawn. Right. There's no snow. It doesn't even really get that cold. I mean, usually the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like it'll. I mean, between like in January and February, it'll drop down to like the 30s or something. But I mean, it never really gets that cold. And it's funny because uh, you can probably hear Leo over here. Um, yeah, I can hear him. <laughs> yeah, like in the winter when it gets really cold, so I leave the the window in the living room open because it, it goes to a uh, a patio but it's like totally screened in. So him and Logan, they can go in and out whenever they want. And I just leave that window open. I mean, it's only open like this big. Um, and it's nice because like we have that, the netting on the, the patio. So like bugs don't get in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't understand like when it's January and it's like 20, 30 degrees out. Like he's like, I want to go outside. I'm like, no, you don't. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I can't leave the window open. Or I have to like let him out and he'll go out there for like five minutes and then I'll hear him scratch on the door. Let me back in. Yeah, Ooh. one of the reasons why I asked you if you had done Grubhub recently is because um, I've, I've seen other YouTubers and people on Reddit getting emails from Grubhub saying that a lot of the, um, the deliveries that they've done have been late. And Grubhub, and they didn't send any emails out about this or anything. I just kind of like found it in the app. So whenever you get to a restaurant, kind of like DoorDash, you have to um, go to the order screen and hit there's a problem order not ready and then saying order still being prepared upon arrival and then um and the second question is how long do you think it's going to take so you have to mark that in order for grubhub to know that there's a wait and so they won't i guess eventually deactivate you for having consistently deliveries yeah i i hit that every time if it's not already ready when i walk in i always hit there's a problem me too like it'll say how much longer and like i think like the minimum is 10 minutes but it's like 10 to 20 yeah yeah, I'm like it's. I mean, it's. Why is there no less than ten? Because I mean, it doesn't usually take more than ten. Right. And it, that's also a good way. Like, if you have to go to the bathroom and the food actually is ready, then just hit that it's not. Give yourself ready. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not a, a question I like to ask a lot of gig workers. What's your your po- best and worst public restrooms where you are? Um, 
the worst ones are probably there's there's a couple of McDonald's where you know they don't they're super busy they don't really take care of the bathroom. There's one really good one, um, kind of a little more north where it's not as busy. Um, I would say I use the mall because uh, where I dash there's a mall, so the mall bathroom's really clean. I like going there. Um, I would say my favorite one's probably at the stand. Um, it's a it's kind of like a burgers and brew spot. Um, just because I could go there while waiting for an order and or usually takes about 10, 15 minutes. So gives me enough time to see a bathroom between orders. Um, but yeah, I would say that's my favorite one. And the worst one's probably McDonald's. You know, I, I agree with you on the McDonald's one. Although if I absolutely need to use a public restroom, I usually like, I'll go to, well, like Wawa is a gas station chain here or Publix, mm-hmm. the supermarket chain. But McDonald's like is always there because like around here they don't have like uh, bathrooms for customers only, and, f- and usually the restrooms are off the kitchen, so it's like you don't have to like make eye contact oh, yeah. with people at the counter. So you can just go straight to the restroom and come ba- come out the front. Do door they have a code? No, like the ones here do. Restroom? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like like a like a gate code like on a gated community. <laughs> yep, it's like a four digit number. Oh wow, yeah, that I've never seen that here. Although I did, it's funny. I was doing Amazon Flex deliveries today or Whole Foods, and like they were all for gated communities. And usually Whole Foods and Amazon customers will put their gate code in there, and none of them did today. I was sitting, I was, I had like, I was so mad today, and also. Um, like my block was twelve thirty to two thirty, then I had another one from three to five. So I get to the Whole Foods, I get there at like twelve twenty five, you know, and then like around twelve thirty it says they give me my route. But what always happens, it's like it'll say, Wait outside, like your your order isn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting outside and like it's one o'clock and it's still like I'm still like exit I'm like refreshing the app. I'm like keep, you know, hitting start, you know, and like it still says wait outside. So I call the uh the hotline or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? Why isn't it ready? Like, I'm, I got another block at three o'clock, and right. I can see by the map, like, there's no way I'm getting back in time. And uh, I'm like, can you just take the last stop off the route? And the kid, either he didn't know how to do it, or he like refused to do it because they've done it before. In fact, I showed this in one of my ride along videos. It was a while ago, where I had like forty something bags for a Whole Foods route. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell them like I can't I can't fit forty something bags in my car and they were able to take off a bunch of them. They don't so, ask what kind of car you have. They probably have it in the system, but yeah, like care. yeah. If, I mean, <laughs> if I had a minivan or a pickup truck or something, it'd be nice. Uh, Jacqueline Taylor said, "In Carson, they are closed. Only drive through. Only bathroom is Chevron." That sucks. Yeah. That's like Nugs is in Ohio and he's still. Like he shows, you know, in his ride alongs, like half the places he go to. Gold Star Chili. Are, yeah. <laughs> it's still uh drive through only. I mean I thought I thought we were shorthanded here. What's it like out there? Is there a huge labor shortage? Uh not that I've seen. Um it's funny you mentioned that because I actually went to Wendy's yesterday. Um I think there's only well, there's only one in my area, but there's a couple other more. But the one I always go to, now they just switch to the drive through only, so I guess they are having trouble. Hiring people, but everywhere else just seems fine. It just seems business as usual. I mean, it's LA, so you have to work. So I guess that that's probably has something to do with it. You can't just not work. <laughs> yeah, but the government gives away so much money out there in a blue state like that. 
Uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, we've only gotten one check from California so far. It was 600 bucks, which, you know, probably lasts like two days, three days. If I gave you $40,000 to start a business, what would you start? Um, I don't know. I wonder if those Amazon delivery service partner things are, are profitable because I think it only takes $10,000 to start. Yeah, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll try one of those. $40,000 to start a business actually isn't a whole lot, but it depends to be like on really a business. Small. I mean, I, I would probably like start some kind of, you know, work from home thing, you know, or, or like become like a professional eBay seller or, you know, like That's true. a friend of mine, uh, when I used to, for my IT days back in New York, um, he, he, you know, he was in IT for years like me and he just like me. He just got up and walked out of the cubicle one day, and except he didn't go into gig work, he went into eBay and Amazon selling. So he like buys, like he buys, yeah, he buys mostly collectibles, you know, like toys and games and comics and and stuff like that. Like he buys them cheap and then you know flips them on eBay and Amazon. Did you see Nug's scooter dash? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that too. You know, I, I thought about doing that here and because in downtown Orlando, they have these uh, scooters everywhere and they have a the few lime scooters. Them. Yeah, they have slime and bird mm-hmm. and they have they, there's a scooter where it's almost more like a moped because it has a seat and it has a basket on the uh, like the handle shaft there. So like if you had to get drinks, you could put them in the basket. I'd imagine. I mean, you're in L.A. There there are uh, scooters all over the place there. Yeah, there's a ton, especially near um, Cal State Northridge. Um, there's there's a lot on campus that I see. I don't know if they're charged or not. Some of them are probably aren't, but yeah, there's a lot of them. You ever thought about doing uh, DoorDash on a scooter? No, I'm too heavy for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it probably would the battery wouldn't last that long because they have small batteries. If you had to wear one set of clothes for the rest of your life, what would it what would it be? Probably hoodie and joggers. <laughs> I, I like gym clothes. Yeah, that's what I would say too. In fact, when I was doing the rideshare driving last week or two weeks ago, um, did I you finish just, that? By the way, yeah, I'm, nice. I'm still working on the video, but I made spoilers. I made like I well, I grossed about two thousand dollars. In fact, I had grossed. Two thousand dollars in sixty cents, mm-hmm. and that's including tips and bonuses and all that stuff. But I also spent about two hundred dollars between gas and tolls. Like they they reimburse you for the tolls. So, like if I go through a toll road, like it's coming out of my Easy Pass, mm-hmm. but they're charging the customer for that toll, so they add on that to your pay. So it's kind of, you know, it, technically it's a wash, but still I have to, the money for the toll comes out of my account. Right. But um, yeah, so it was a guaranteed $1,800 for 120 rides, which, you know, I knocked them out. I was trying to do about 12 a day for 10 days. Some days I did more, some days I did less. And uh, yeah, so I got my 1800 bucks and about $200 in tips and all that stuff, but also I spent about $200 on gas and tolls. So uh, I'm working on the video. I'll probably, are, I'm hoping to have that tomorrow or Friday. What are gas prices out there for you? 
Um, you know, before this hurricane came through, they were actually it was down to like two eighty something, and wow. it's like three oh nine right now. We're we're almost at five bucks. I think the cheapest I've seen is like four fifty, four sixty. Oh yeah, I it's mean, insane. You're in, you're in a blue state. They charge you to live there. <laughs> yeah, they charge to breathe air. But yeah, that, that's why I also I'm also picky with the orders. Honestly, I don't accept anything below seven or eight bucks, just because gas is so expensive. Yeah, it's crazy, and I think like the rideshare companies especially need to raise the rates um, when gas is so outrageous like that. Because every single mile you drive, I mean, at least if you have somebody in the car, you're getting you're getting paid for those miles. But right. when you're just driving around, um, you know that you're just eating eating that cost of the gas. Yep. You're just throwing that money away. Do you have you ever tried uh, Uber or Lyft, or you just do food delivery? I've thought about it, but I don't like the idea of having random people in my car, so that's why I just stuck to food delivery. Yeah, it's probably safer that way. Uh, Jacqueline Taylor said, my kid charges Lime and does awesome. Awesome. See, I've heard, I've heard mixed things on that, is that you end up spending more on the electricity than you make for charging. Same thing like if, if you're mining cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. A lot of times like you, you spend more on the electricity than you actually make... In crypto, the only way I see it's worth it if you have like a solar solar panel where you have you don't have to pay for electricity. I don't know if you saw, but like my the first one of these shows I ever did like a year and a half ago was with the Don Nabata. He does the How Much channel, mm-hmm. and I mean his channel is mostly about uh, crypto mining, and Bitcoin. Like he, yeah, yeah, but he also had he has done Instacart, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all that stuff. And he's made videos about them. And yeah, and like I recently put the audio from that show up as an audio podcast. So um, uh, yeah, you might want to check that out. I mean, if you didn't see it, it's new to you. But yeah, like that's what he was saying is like, if you can somehow get free electricity, like the best way is like, if you're like in a college dorm, you know, like you're not oh, paying. Just because the school's paying for it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad plug, idea. Plug your miner in and just let that go all day. Or a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how long they let you sit there before they kick you out. or Yeah, or like an airport um, or a mall. <laughs> yeah. You can find an outlet. Wasn't uh, Idan uh, doing Uber and Lyft with it? Was his new Tesla Y? That he bought uh, with a Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he... He must have a like a few bitcoins because I remember when Tesla. I mean, it was a real short window mm-hmm. where they were you could actually buy a Tesla with a bitcoin, mm-hmm. and then they stopped doing it. And I was listening to Tim Pool, and he was like railing on e- Elon Musk because he's like, I think he just did this to, like drive the price up, and or something. seems like yeah. it. Yeah, I I highly recommend crypto to everybody. I mean, especially Bitcoin because it's decentralized. A lot of the other coins are centralized. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it would just take one server going down and you would lose it. Um, but I mean, that's, that's the, the genius of Bitcoin It's like anybody can do it from their home and it's like, there's no central authority. Um, uh, and I wish I had bought it when it was like a buck, you know? Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember like 10 years ago when it first came out, people were telling me about it and they're like, so they spent so much money on Bitcoin and, um, they're probably they're Bitcoin millionaires now. I mean, although even if I was a Bitcoin millionaire, I don't think I would like do anything with it. You know, because like it's pretty volatile. 
Yeah, I mean, well, if you sell your Bitcoin for cash, mm-hmm. like you got to pay capital gains on that. A lot too, yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, do you use like Coinbase? You know, and uh, or are you just just Bitcoin? Like, do you do Litecoin or Ethereum or Doge or anything? Also, I've been looking at Bitcoin from the sidelines, and I just started recently getting involved. Um, so I do have a Coinbase account. Uh, but most of my money, I've I've been investing in like index fund and stock market and stuff like that, mm-hmm. mutual funds. I actually rolled over my four hundred one k into an all crypto IRA. Wow. Well, and that's pretty. Is, cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there is some physical gold and silver in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like crypto. Uh, I mean, precious metals are always a good hedge against inflation, and I think Bitcoin especially. I mean, I think all cryptos are going to go up in the next few years just because inflation is going to be insane. It is, yeah. Um, Yeah, so anyway, we've been going pretty long. If you guys have questions for John, let me know uh, now before we wrap it up. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can kind of like – because we've both been doing this for a very long time in terms of gig work. Like, what, where do you see the future of gig work in the next couple of years? Yeah, that's a, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is because, uh, like, I, I've been, like, biting my nails, like, the last month or so because it's been just absolutely dead. But mm-hmm. last year at the same time, I was doing the exact same thing. In fact, I was in a CNBC story last year when COVID, like, it said – it's funny, like um, – I sent them a picture of me when I was doing a triple with Instacart. It's a picture of me standing in front of my my car with three shopping carts full of groceries mm-hmm. that I had like the the bagger take a picture of me. It was probably like one of the biggest orders I ever did. And then I, I used that. You're a celebrity as, now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish and people would actually watch my channel. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I'm pretty curious about that myself. I mean. I mean, well, I'm hoping. I mean, we did that story about shipped on Sunday. You said shipped is expanding, so maybe I can finally get in with shipped. Um, UPS bought Roadie, so maybe there'll be more of those orders in. There will be for sure. Although I am kind of worried that, like, with the with Biden Biden's vaccine mandate, which is totally illegal and unconstitutional, that it's going to drive a lot of people out of their W two jobs into gig work and. It's like as if we weren't already oversaturated. This, you know, this is just going to make it worse. Although, I read that poll the other day, and surprisingly, most gig workers, or at least you know, people on my channel, are not really worried about it. They're like, yeah, people are just either you know, like they're they're they'll probably stick at their W two jobs. I mean, I think there'll be some people uh, who are going to leave their W two to come do this, but uh, I forget who said it, but somebody said, you know. Going into gig work is like when people join the gym in January, and it, that is true. It just it just takes a few months to see who's really in, in you know, who's in and uh, who's for the long really, haul. Yeah, for the long haul. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a really good point. It's hard for me to make a prediction, but some I mean something's got to change. I was just on 
I, I was recording a podcast with uh, Steve from Rideshare Rodeo last night, which will be out on Friday. Mm-hmm. So uh, subscribe. And so, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to the audio podcast, but definitely recommend everybody subscribe to the Rideshare Rodeo uh, podcast, even if you're not a rideshare driver. I mean, it's like it's like this show, you know, like he does interviews and he also talks about the news. Um, and uh, we were talking about that. And I'm like, I was saying, like, if I didn't get that $1,800 guaranteed, like, Rideshare, at least in Orlando, is f- absolutely like you. May, there was a few days there where I made less than minimum wage. You know, I'm like, and they're never going to get drivers back at these rates. Like, they need to they need to pay like a minimum of like a buck a mile. You know, and so they basically need to double their wages. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. I mean, especially Uber, who's like in tons of debt because they're they blew so much money on. Robot taxis and flying cars and whatever other stupid bullshit projects, you know. Postmates. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean. That was a complete tax write-off. They didn't need Postmates. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad it's gone. Postmates was the worst. Did you ever work for Postmates? It's. No, but I I, yeah. I, I saw the screenshot, so I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you didn't miss anything. I mean, it well, looks well, that's how, Uber. Well, yeah, Postmates, well, like I was saying about Bike Squad and Waiter, like they're, like, at least, the only the, the only difference between Postmates is that, like, Postmates will show you a map, and it'll show you, like, a straight diet, straight line right. between the restaurant and the customer, and it doesn't there's tell you There's no miles. route. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no payout. There's no tip. All you know is to just go to this restaurant, and then you'll. This is where you're going to deliver it to. And if you know how to read a map, I mean, you can guess the mileage. Like that's how Grubhub is. Although I haven't been on Grubhub in like two or three weeks, so I know like they were piloting putting the mileage on. And Para, they have a hack now where Para will tell you the the mileage. Mm-hmm. So I, I wish they had had that. I made two videos about Postmates. They're still up. So, um, yeah, if you want a good laugh at Postmates, check those out. So, anyway. I'm actually uh, seeing the mileage in the, on Grubhub in my market. Oh, that's good. It's nice, yeah. There's no reason for them to not show that. I mean, you're just going to have drivers that are going to be like, well, why would I want to drive for you when I could drive for Uber Eats or DoorDash and I can get that information? I think like the reason why. Everybody hides something. Like, DoorDash hides mm-hmm. the, the tips. Uber hides the full Uber tip. does hide the tips after eight dollars yep but i mean if you're getting an eight dollar tip then it's probably you're probably going to take it anyway right and they also like if you're on if they when they try to add do a stacked order try to add on something they don't show you the map for the second customer they just give you a cross street and grubhub hides the mileage there's no where's the perfect app like they all have their own problems yeah, I actually did an order on DoorDash yesterday. It was kind of like catering style. Um, mm-hmm. There was 13 items, $145 subtotal, and I was going to the doctor's office. So I waited about 20, 30 minutes because it was a pretty big order during you know peak lunch hour. Mm-hmm. I deliver it, and then it was only a $5 tip on DoorDash. Yeah, you were showing me that. That sucked. People are you know, cheap. it's a risk. <laughs> yeah, it's super cheap. Have you tried? Well, I was going to say, have you tried to deliver that, but... Deliver that is a catering, and they're almost always around like between ten thirty and eleven in the morning, and you're probably working your day job at that time. So, um, I've been looking into it. I might do it. Yeah, on, on my days off or something. How many how many apps do you have on your phone right now? 
I don't know if anybody has more than me except UDM. <sighs> yeah, I probably have four. I think I have Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Instacart, and that's it. <laughs> I have a. Uh, you have 15. entire screen of apps. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> Amazon Flex, Byte Squad, Corner Shop, Curry, Deliver That, Dispatch, DoorDash, GoPuff, Grubhub, Instacart, Lyft, Point Pickup, Roadie, Skip Cart, and Uber. In alphabetical order. It's like Pokemon trying to catch them all. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Udium. I'm glad he's doing better. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing his uh, interview with Hannibal on Friday. It's going to be good, yep. <laughs> Jacqueline Taylor said, hopefully we're going to make it. I love gig work, yeah. What I was going to say is that – sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I, I, there are some times where I kind of get sick of like, hey, if I have to do one more Burger King delivery tonight, I'm going to kill Oh, somebody, God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Burger King, like, it's, it's been a while just because they don't make it until you get there. But I was going to say that if you're doing part gig work part-time and you want to do food delivery, it's fine. You know, th- I think there's enough orders to go around. But um, if you're going to do a full-time, you definitely have to branch out to other streams of income, other apps. Because food delivery, I feel it's the most popular one. It's the easiest one compared to, um, oh, I'm super loud. Uh, I don't know. That's the first. We're we're just about to the end here, and that's the first okay. about that noise we've had. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just gonna say that so to finish it with, um, you know, if you're, if you're just doing food delivery, it's fine. You know, I, it's oversaturated because it's easy, and a lot of people want to do it. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're doing it full time, definitely branch out to other stuff, uh, other other streams of income. Um, but also, one of the things that I do, especially in my market, is I have to lower my expectations because before I used to easily make one hundred hundred fifty dollars per night, but now. I'm lucky if I hit hundred bucks sometimes, um, especially on weekends. So, um, you know, j- you know, do food delivery part-time, you know, have like a goal of like 50, 60 bucks a night and you're good. You know, there's no need to stress yourself out, but if you're doing full-time, reach out to other stuff. Yeah. Multi-app, 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 unless you're doing this part-time, but, yep. and, or like if you're like a big fish in a small pond, which, although I think all those, like everybody is aware of, you know, app-based gigs by now is oh I mean, yeah. Like if you get in a time machine and go back a few years, and you could be like the only Instacart shopper in your town. Like it's actually kind of nice right now. Is that Uber's new corner shop, like their equivalent of Instacart, mm-hmm. is it, it's not oversaturated right now. Every time like I get a corner shop order in, it's paying like double or triple what Instacart would pay for the same order right now. Does it show where you're going before you accept it? No, that's the only problem is it just kind of gives you like it'll say it it tells you the store to go to, but then and like you can look on the details and it'll say how many miles it is from the store to the customer. But it's always like the mileage like as the crow flies, so you have to it's always end up being more because of like actually driving, you know, to get there, but I mean, I whenever I have a corner shop order in my town, like they're almost always worth it. There's there was a few so like they came in at like eight eight thirty in the morning for like thirty forty bucks for like twelve items, and it's funny because the the only store that Corner Shop is por- partnered with is Win Dixie, which is like the well, they're like the one store by me is like in a terrible part of town. It's like all mm-hmm. run down and dingy and dirty. Then there's like two other ones on the bougie side of town, and. I was like, I don't know why anybody would shop here when they could go to Publix or Aldi or Walmart because Win Dixie, it's it's the worst of both worlds. Like it's a dingy, rundown store, and the prices 
are super high compared to everything else. So it's like, I don't know why you would want to shop here when these other places are available, but, um, sounds yeah, like a uh, smart and final I hear. Yeah. I, is that a Kroger chain? Uh, no, we have Ralph's out here for Kroger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess this is a good place to wrap. So give everybody uh plug your, you know, social media and where, where they can find you. Yeah, the main place you can check me out is on YouTube, um, John McKellian, and I'll have all my social media links posted there. You can find my book on Amazon. A lot of people like it, and it's been helpful, so it could probably help you out too. That's pretty much it. All right. You know, you know, we'll have to do a trade. I'll send you this book, and you can send me that book. And then we'll have, we can do like a, a book book club. <laughs> you know, that, that's what, that'll be the next live show I do. We'll do a, a GigTube book club. I'm show down. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Everybody have a good night and, uh, you know, keep hustling out there. And uh, I will see you. I will be back on Sunday with Hannibal covering the news. And we might have a pretty special guest on Sunday. So stick around for that. So thanks again, John, for doing this. And uh, I will see you guys later. Bye.